Hey there, and welcome back to Developing Developers. This is the final episode of our Entering the Development World series, and there are so many other foundational aspects to development besides what we've talked about so far, with finance, civil engineering, construction, and economic development incentives today. But hopefully, you have an idea of all the different ways you can enter the development world. The possibilities are endless. I'm also excited to have kicked off a mini-series last month called The Big Picture, which will be released periodically throughout other series. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow the Developing Developers Instagram page for more content. Today, I get to talk to Scott Zions, an attorney at Vori's Law Firm here in Columbus, who focuses on economic development incentives. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're in the right place, or maybe you're an expert yourself in economic incentives, but hopefully you will learn something new today. Either way, we're going to keep it interesting and fun. Right, Scott? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Scott has been involved in several committees and is even a past president of NAOP Ohio and NAOP Central Ohio, which is a commercial real estate development association. I have a lot to learn today, so I'm excited to kick off some questions. Thanks for joining me today, Scott. Thanks for having me, Allie. Of course. Um, so I'll start with a classic question, and that is, what is your experience in commercial real estate, and how did you get involved? Boy, well, really pretty immediately after graduating from law school, I started working on economic development incentives projects, and of course, that means working with developers. So I spent a couple decades now. Uh, working with uh, developers uh, on everything from tax increment financing to property tax abatements, et cetera. For the first decade or so of my career, I was really primarily the subject matter expert. But uh, over the past decade or so, uh, my my involvement is more broad. So I'm the Economic Development Center subject matter expert, but I also help to lead a lot of projects and coordinate all the other lawyers and some of the other professionals involved. It's a lot of fun. You know, economic development and yeah. commercial real estate. Yeah, that sounds fun. And I know um, if a lot of you listening are like, what the heck is tax increment financing and economic development incentives? We're going to jump into that. So don't worry, stick with us. Um, but when did you start to get involved specifically with development projects? And what is your role specifically with that? So really from an early part of my career, when, when we started, uh, boy, so I became a lawyer about 25 years ago. And back in the day, there weren't really real economic development incentive specialists for the most part. It was typically the lawyer working on the deal, whether it was real estate lawyer, the corporate lawyer, what have you. And when I got to Vori's, I told folks, this is what I want to do. This is like all I want to do, want, want to do. I find it really interesting. So they began to get me involved in projects. So really, as maybe a third or fourth year lawyer, I began to work with developers uh, and end users and sometimes communities in uh, structuring uh, economic development incentives to help meet everyone's objectives in a deal. And really, uh, again, one opportunity led to the next. And and again, I love working with developers. That They're dynamic, fast-moving, interesting. Every deal is different. And so I just keep at it and keep enjoying what I'm doing. That's awesome. And that's so important, I think, as a manager or a leader, just to listen to your people and where they want to go and what they want to do and help them get there. So that's awesome that you had that opportunity. Yep, ex exactly. It's you know, no deals alike. You really have to listen to the client and understand their objectives because sometimes it's to get the best deal they can as quickly as possible. Sometimes it's to negotiate 
the best deal possible, even if it takes more time. Sometimes they're going to be selling property. Sometimes they're going to be holding property. Sometimes they're going to be the end users. So every time it's a little bit different and, and really it's about listening and, and helping them meet your, their objectives. Yeah. Well, that's really cool that you're just so interested and involved in that. Um, okay. So into the meaty stuff, uh, what are economic development incentives and what do they do for a development project? Sure. So economic development incentives are a whole host of different tools that governments and nonprofit economic development agencies use to incent development or to cause development to happen in a certain way. Uh, they can really fall into a bunch of different categories. So one category is, uh, is, is property tax abatements. That's a big one. And that really means you're not paying either all or a portion of your taxes or your increased taxes on a development project. Another big category is infrastructure financing. The most common way of doing that is tax increment financing, where you take increased taxes from a project, the property owner pays them, and they go into a special fund to help pay for infrastructure. So, so infrastructure financing is a big part of it. Uh, tax credits uh, uh, to companies based upon maybe their uh, income tax revenues from their employees is a big category. Uh, another big category is grants or loans. And then another big category is giving uh, specific help in the way it's needed on a project. So for example, we're working on one project right now where uh, in a different state where rail needed to be extended to a site because the the, the company needed rail to efficiently uh, deliver its finished goods. And that's a win-win because that would mean fewer trucks on the highways, more efficiency for the client. And that's one of those examples where it's something a little bit unusual, but, but bringing rail to a site is a really important economic development incentive for that client. Okay, so who is who are the people who give this money? Yeah, so it falls into two or three categories. So one category is the government, and that can when I said two or three. The most common ones are either at the state level or the local level. There are some federal economic development incentives which are sort of in their own category because of the complexity. Uh, the rules, and and although we work on those, it's a different set of folks who often do those. But state and local governments do a lot of them. The other category is special economic development agencies or entities. In Ohio, uh, that would be Jobs Ohio. So Jobs Ohio, for example, has its own source of funds. Those aren't government funds. Jobs Ohio is a nonprofit corporation which has a special amount of funds for economic development. You get grants directly or low interest loans directly from Jobs Ohio and other states have entities like that. Okay. So you sort of apply for these types of incentives or do you, how do you lobby for your... Sure. You know, good question. So, so there's no one, one way to do it. Okay. You can do big picture, a couple different approaches. Uh, one is, is, Maybe a few different approaches. One is you can follow what I call the color by number approach. So if you go to a website, they might say, look, fill out an application, submit it, then we'll talk, then we'll evaluate it, and then we'll talk to you. That there are some projects where that works 
in my experience, that's a minority of the projects. That's not really the best way to talk to a community mm-hmm. and, and to help meet their objectives as well as your client's objectives. So the other two ways to do a big picture are one is uh, doing effectively an RFP uh, when you're looking for a particular site. That tends to work well when it's a big business that's looking at multiple sites and it wants to go to a community and, and, and it wants to identify what the best place to be is. So it will put out an RFP and ask communities to respond, indicating their site availability, uh, labor market information, tax information, incentives, et cetera. So RFPs are one approach. They tend to u- work for end-user projects. Another approach is making an ask, and that is sitting down with your client uh, or your team, figuring out what you need to make the project work and that you think is fair based on what the community's done in other circumstances. So again, my rail example is an example of this. And then going to the community and saying, hey, look, yeah, we know you have your website where you say, fill out this application and come talk to us, but let's talk about what we need. Let's talk about what, what you need. And, and here's what we think would be a fair arrangement. And then you have a discussion and then you fill out the applications and you do all the mechanical yeah. stuff. But first you have a conversation. So they're familiar. And then there's, so there's mutual benefit on both sides. It, absolutely. And most communities appreciate that because mm-hmm. they, uh, they, they know that they've been around long enough to know that, again, no two projects are alike, and they may have their objectives that they want uh, a, a company to meet, which maybe isn't clear from the website because they don't know the company. The website's abstract, whereas a project where you come talk to them is very real. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And that's kind of going back to what we've hit on this in this podcast often, but um, just the importance of networking and knowing people and just building relationships is really important. So, absolutely, I, I you know learned a few things early in my career. One was doing what you say, do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. It's really simple, but if you say you're going to follow up and, and 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 do something, whether you're talking to a client, whether you're talking to someone at the other side of the table, uh, whether you're on a committee, uh, you know, th- that's important because that builds credibility and, and, and people trust you. The other part is just the integrity. I mean, being able to, you're going to negotiate and and that's part of doing business, but doing it with integrity and, and and honesty and character, uh, you know, that, that sticks with you your whole career. So just having that integrity, helps to build relationships. So there's a lot of people I've done some hard deals with and in the heat of the moment, maybe, you know, we're annoyed with each other. But at the end of the day, we respect each other. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's, you, know, you know how commercial real estate is, especially in central Ohio. We have a good group uh, of people who are, who are, for the most part, very nice to each other. Yeah. And it's competitive, but everyone wants – it's competitive because it's a lot of good stuff going on, a lot of good development and things going up. And yeah. Um, Okay, so I'm going to ask for a few examples. I know you've talked about tax increment financing. Could you give a few more? So I've heard of TIF, tax increment financing, and OSIP, Ohio Site Inventory Program, um, and then also just tax abatement in general. So what what does that kind of mean? What are some examples of these incentives? Sure. So I'll start with tax increment financing. Uh, TIF is used in either 49 or 50 of the states. Uh, it's, it's 
probably by far the most popular economic development tool in the country. And it's similar from state to state. Uh, the most popular kind is property tax TIF, which is, which is what is most prevalent here in Ohio. So in, in brief, what TIF is, it's when the political subdivision, you know, the, typically a city or a county, will declare the increase in the assessed value of property to be exempt from tax, and they'll require the property owners to make equal payments called TIF service payments that go into a special fund. In most cases, those TIF service payments then have to be used for public infrastructure. And they can really, there's three ways to do a TIF. One is to, uh, to, do, to issue bonds. That's on the biggest deals. Uh, so you might build a public parking garage, the community issues bonds, and then those TIF service payments are used to pay debt service in the bonds. Uh, another way to do it is what I call piggy bank TIF. So the community just collects TIF service payments over time. Once it has enough, it goes build and build something. And then a third way to do it is reimbursement-based TIF. So a developer goes out, builds some public infrastructure improvements using its construction loan, and then they get paid back through TIF revenues. That's by far the most valuable, and it fundamentally is similar from state to state. Uh, your property tax abatement is also pretty similar from state to state. D different states have different approaches. For In Texas and, uh, and, and uh, Pennsylvania, for example, you have to go to each taxing unit that receives property tax revenues to ask them to exempt their portions so, so you don't have to pay taxes on increased value. In Ohio and other states, you work with m one main entity and maybe have to talk to the school district if you want to uh, have above a certain percentage. That's popular. The th a third thing you mentioned was OSIP. So o OSIP is the Ohio Site Inventory Program. And it is a – it's maybe the third iteration of – in my career in Ohio of specific – incentives targeted mostly in the form of grants or low interest loans targeted to help build up an inventory of development sites for the, for the state development folks then to go out and try to recruit end users. So we had the jobs ready site program for a while and then there was another program. And what the state does with, with OSIP is they try to identify sites that are going to be attractive to end users, but they need a little bit of help. There's some type of gap. And then they help to fill that gap. So again, then the state economic development officials can go out and recruit those end users. So it's a really neat program. Uh, it, it's Ohio's been at the forefront of, of, of programs like that, but there are programs like that in other states as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, you have to almost be willing to take a challenge, I think, as a developer, because you are asking for assistance and for them to kind of be on your team, but then you have to prove on the other end that you can deliver something that is beneficial to the community as yeah. well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Allie, and that's a good point. So these incentives are not, it's not a free lunch. Mm -hmm. So whenever the government or an economic development agency gives you money or gives you a property tax abatement or gives you TIF assistance, they're going to ask for something in return. And so all of that's where lawyers come in, in, into play. Uh, we, we hopefully come into play earlier in the, in the stage too, but definitely you're going to uh, document the respective obligations of the parties through legally binding agreements and sometimes pretty complicated processes uh, so that, you know, it, so that there's transparency for the public and so that the uh, community or the state or the economic development agency 
can hold the developer accountable for doing what they say they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's super important. I thank you for touching on that. So could you, I know you kind of talked about the process a little bit. Could you briefly go through if I'm a developer and I want to implement some incentives or try to um, apply for some incentives, what, what would I do? Sure. Well, uh, first you talk to someone like me, uh, I, I would think, and we discuss what your objectives are. So I'll give an example. If you're in central Ohio and you want to build industrial uh, and you want to build spec industrial, you know that so many of the sites have 15-year 100% property tax abatements. Mm-hmm. Which means? Which means that you're not paying taxes for a certain period of time on the, bu- on the building value. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the... Those are critical to compete in Central Ohio uh, and, and for Central Ohio to compete with states with lower tax rates like Kentucky uh, because for industrial, you know, triple net rents might be four fifty five bucks a square foot. The taxes can be more than a dollar a square foot. So all the real estate people know what triple net means, but 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 for for the non real estate people listening to this, that means that the tenant pays all the costs. Your tenant, when they're leasing an industrial space, th- those uh, those are big boxes, look very similar. They're very focused on their costs. So if you came to me as a, a developer and wanted to do industrial an industrial spec building in Central Ohio, I'd, you'd already know this, but but if you didn't, I'd say, okay, look, here's what the market is. Here's what you need to compete. And, and and here's the community that we're going to go talk to. Here's what they've done before. And, and, and here's what I think we can ask for based upon, number one, what you need to compete. And in order for them to compete, they're going to be bringing jobs to the community. And number two, you know what the community has done before. And, and then you have those discussions. Again, in most cases, like where I'm working with developers, it starts with a conversation with, the developer and me, and then we go talk to the community and talk about what what the developer needs in order to help bring jobs to that community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just gives it clarity if someone is struggling to know what is the next step, you know, so thank yeah. you. So for you personally, what has been the biggest obstacle in your career um, and what have you learned from that obstacle? Boy, you know, so I've been blessed. I think we're all blessed here in Central Ohio. Uh, so I think early in my career, I I thought it was going to be an obstacle that I wasn't from here. Uh, I, I really didn't know many people here when we, when uh, Carol and I moved here 25 years ago. But the what I learned was that just by becoming involved, by doing what you say you're going to do, by being a good person, not being a jerk, and 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 again working hard, you can overcome having no network. Mm-hmm. You know, again, growing growing up in a small community in Pennsylvania, and and again, I've been blessed. So, so I, I really can't say I've had the the types of obstacles that pe- some people have. Uh, and again, we're really blessed to be here in Central Ohio, where you don't have to be from here to come here and make a difference. It's- commercial real estate, especially it is all about knowing the market and knowing the people. And so, um, that's hopefully encouraging for someone listening who might not be from wherever they're 
listening from or where, the market they want to go to. Yeah. Because um, I think that probably holds people back from going to a city they want to be a part of, but they don't know the market and they are in commercial real estate. And, you know. Well, it, it could be very much, uh, again, I don't know all the other markets as well as I know Central Ohio uh, from a pure commercial real estate standpoint, but it, it, it's very much a meritocracy. And, and for people who are new to Central Ohio or Ohio or really to anywhere, uh, I'd encourage them to to get involved. Again, uh, NAOP, as you know, is our favorite real estate organization. But if for some reason their community doesn't have NAOP, a NAOP chapter, you know, uh, a ULI or an ICIC or something like that, and again, take things on, join a committee. Once you show that you're reliable uh, and, and and you contribute, you'll you can advance pretty quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. And that does lead into my next question. So if someone were to want to jump into development and they didn't have any knowledge of incentives, which is a big part of development, uh, what would you say is a good first step to getting started to kind of learning all that there is out there? Sure. So yeah, incentives are a really key aspect to a, to a development project. It, it, it's just as fundamental to you know, good soils, a good building, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I'd encourage folks to take advantage of a lot of the free resources, that are free or low-cost resources that are out there. Uh, for example, we have an annual Economic Development Incentives Conference, which has grown to become the largest uh, such conference in the country. Uh, so we, we, you know, we, we're going to have about 300 people, uh, at least we did right before the pandemic, 300 people in person learning about economic development incentives, getting free CE, CPE, and CLE. And, and that's a great way to learn. There's other things like that. Again, NAOP normally, or often has programs that talk about economic development incentives. Uh, you can listen to this podcast, which <laughs> hopefully people already are. Uh, and, and, it, and again, there's a lot of websites out there that have information uh, for people who really want to get into the details and, and again, be a practitioner there is no substitute for reading the statutes uh, and the regulations and getting uh, through public records requests, you can get copies of most of the agreements. And that's, it might be boring, but it's absolutely critical to be able to represent, you know, others, you know, clients uh, effectively is to be able to understand the law. Yeah. Well, and that is something that someone might not have interest in, but then as they learn more, similar to you kind of entered in and then decided incentives was something you were really interested in after you knew more about it. So, um, and I think it's similar probably with development. There's so many different aspects to it that you might go into it thinking, I want to be a developer. And then you end up being like, I really like the project management aspect, or I really like the civil engineering aspect and different parts of it that you want to handle. So um, I think that's a great thought of just the more you know about something, the more interesting it can become. Yes. And, and it, again, you don't have to be an expert uh, on economic development incentives. Just like I'm not an expert on architecture, mm-hmm. but just having natural curiosity about yeah. something, it, it helps you. Be, commercial real estate, being a developer, you have to have so many different skill sets and, and, and so many different uh, interests. But having that curiosity to learn about something that's a little bit outside your lane is going to make you a better professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And you had so many good nuggets in this, so I don't know what you're going to choose for this question, but if someone um, left with just one thing from today's conversation, what would you want them to take? Oh boy. Uh, well, I think talking about economic development incentives in particular, uh, 
think what they should take is there's no one size fits all. And it, it's really about what are the client's objectives. Uh, and again, sometimes, by the way, our clients are communities. Uh, so, so, so in that case, what, what are the, the community's objectives? What are the other party's objectives and trying to, to construct a win-win deal? That, that's really, I think a lot of people think that these are uh, just, again, one-size-fits-all, color-by-numbers approaches, and that's not the most effective way to do economic development in center. So on the sort of subject matter area, I think that's the key thing. On the sort of softer part of what we've discussed, uh, because I know you're, you know, you're t- talking about developing developers, uh, so, so there might be some younger people listening, just get involved, do things that could be reliable, and take some chances, and, and you can succeed. It, it, it's pretty cool if I could do it. I mean, I, I, I'm still trying, but but if, if I can do it, anyone can. Oh, you're doing great. So, uh, But yeah, I think that that's awesome. And if there's anything I've taken from just getting being interested in development and getting started there, it's if I could learn just one thing every day, then I can go so much further than, you know, it can become overwhelming to hear economic development incentives or, you know, the whole construction process and be like, I can't memorize that whole thing or I don't know where to start. And so I think that's helpful just, you know, starting small, getting involved and learning something every day is really important. And one of the most important things you're doing, Allie, is asking questions. I know you're doing it formally here, but I know you're doing it in the office. You know, when you ask your colleagues who have been around for longer, when you ask questions, again, people in commercial real estate are social. They're outgoing. Ask questions. You know, it, it, it's, you know, if, if people are busy, they'll tell you and you can come back and ask more questions later. But ask questions. If you want to understand why something was constructed a certain way or why they entered into – why they did a design-build contract mm-hmm. versus you know, design-bid-build. You know, that's the way you learn. And, and, again, it's a great, great career, uh, and I'm glad you're in it. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining me today and just teaching me all about economic development incentives. I learned a lot, and I hope everybody listening learned a lot. So thanks for having me.